Mission 2, San Jose Avenue. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome back to Total SF, Kevin Fagan, and our return of Michael Pritchard episode. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, this is what I need right now. And you know Michael Pritchard. I know Michael Pritchard. Um, I want our audience to know him. He's been on a previous Total SF episode, but just an incredible Bay Area resident. Um, How did you meet him, and, and what do you think about when you think of Michael Pritchard? Oh well, I always laugh when I think of Mike. It's uh, and 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 now I think of Mike and I think of you. You are both funny guys. <laughs> but but I, I met Mike. Yeah, I met Mike. Um, oh geez, twenty years ago uh, when I had heard that Doug Ferrari, a great comedian, was homeless, and I started calling around to you know uh, uh, Will Durst and. Uh, Robin Williams and all the others who had worked with Doug, and they all said, "If you find Doug, go find Saint Mike." And I said, "Who the hell is Saint Mike?" And that was Pritchard. And so I got a hold of Pritch and said, "I'm looking for Doug. When I find him, you know, why don't you come along and we'll uh, we'll see what you can do." So I found Doug in a soup kitchen, uh, took him out for a meal, and then I called Pritch. And the next day he came on down, and I watched him fetch Doug up from the gutter. It was wonderful. Yeah. And Doug Doug was I think he was pretty ready to be uh to 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 take help, which helps. Pritch is the right guy. Uh Pritch uplifted him, uh uh talked tough to him when he needed to be talked tough to, and the two of them would walk down the streets. Uh and and Mike uh, Mike would just regenerate Doug and they would do comedy routines uh with the homeless guys and they they'd be laughing and they're both big guys so I fell in love with the guy he's just he's just wonderful you know he won the San Francisco comedy competition first place in the 1970s but then left early didn't stick around to party cuz he wanted to go back to his job he had to get up early in the morning to work with kids um equal in energy to Robin Williams. I mean, they were both really, really big names. I remember, I remember, uh, I I talk about it later, he came to my high school. Um, Huge names. This is when everybody's going to Hollywood and becoming famous. And Michael wanted to help people. He stayed in the Bay Area. He didn't really pursue that Hollywood dream and just wants to uplift people. And that's what he does today. Um, That's basically why we have him on today is just to get a pep (laughs) talk. Oh yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, he'll 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 send you texts that, that are terribly misspelled because I think he dictates them off the top of his head, saying, you know, go for the light, always be positive. Uh, the goodness is coming right around the corner, and it's all misspelled. But you know what he means, and he 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 brings that to the world. Uh, and, and and you're right, just like Robin, the, the the two of them were a kick in the pants. This this kind of you know ping pong ping pong energy. And he he could have you know he he did some Hollywood you know some the, the Star Wars voices and the little TV and stuff but you know he could have uh, he could have made a gazillion dollars as a comedian and instead he puts it into compassion and and love with, with kids mostly yeah uh, but with with other people like us I mean he was he wasn't getting paid today to make to 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 help us uh, <laughs> lift up and feel better uh, I'm all the happier for it yeah. Well, lots of laughs today. Uh, This is the pick-me-up-you-need Bay Area. Michael Pritchard coming up. I'm here with Kevin Fagan, and this is Total SF. 
Welcome back to the Total SF podcast. Kevin Fagan and Michael Pritchard. Um, I'm I'm a little down. Holidays, we're closing up 2020. I need to pick me up. <laughs> Michael Pritchard, I cannot think of a better person to um, find some optimism, find some good right now. And if you don't have it, then I'm done. I got nothing. <laughs> How you doing? How you feeling? Really good. Really good. I, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I told a kid one time, I said, you got to be optimist, stoic, stoic belief and optimism. And he goes, we're millennials, man. We live in a constant state of anticipation. I said, how do we build hope and anticipation? And, and I said, you know, you got to find that positivity. Oh, Colin Powell's line was uh, positivity is a force multiplier. And so when, when you see the things that have happened, I mean, like I, I read, uh, I, I was reading an article about uh, that Kevin wrote about my son, Peter, uh, who's a, an ER doctor in Brooklyn. And uh, just the optimism that has to be faced daily when you're doing, when you're facing um, passing over, passing over, passing, innovation, innovation, calling families on their phone and advising them. You have to have this strong, stoic sense of, of good in your world and belief in things getting better. And as I always say, don't wait for the light at the end of the tunnel, become the light going through the tunnel, glow in the dark as you go. So the, the best medicine I always believed uh, was laughter, just laughing with each other in community unity, uh, finding things of common interest and, and joy. And for me, uh, cops, firemen, paramedics, all the folks who are frontline responders, reporters, grocery clerks now, restaurant workers, they're all in desperate need of joy, laughter, and gra gratitude for, for the efforts they put forth. And the more you share that with them, just I was with kids yesterday. I just said, hey, I so appreciate you and who you are and what you're doing to help us in the community. And they're sh shocked because there's so much isolation. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, your son, I did a story on you, on, on Mike and his son, his son uh, being the doctor. Uh, he's funny, too. I mean, he's uh, uh, he's not quite the, the comedian that Mike is. He had such an upbeat attitude. And the thing that struck me was Mike was always texting him sending him little, you know, things saying, keep it up. You can do it. It's great. Oh, be positive. Well, the kid had COVID and his wife had COVID. Uh, that, that you really, I, I thought you really held him up. Uh, and he was holding other people up too. Well, people, you, you, you're right. And that's what the kids were saying yesterday from the Marin County Office of Education. They feel like they're, they're isolated. And as leaders, they're called upon to do that. And I said, that's why you are a leader. That's why you have to be a leader. And, and you know, I mean, think, think about how funny it is if you don't have that, if the leader doesn't believe that. Richard Nixon, and I remember oh, I opened a show for Joan Baez with this line uh, at the Greek theater. I said, Richard Nixon, and I can do an imitation of him. His last line that he ever said in 74 when he was leaving, there are people out there and they will hate you, and they will only win if they get you to hate them back, then you begin to destroy yourself. You're like, gee, Dick, where were you for that memo in <laughs> kindergarten? What comes around goes around. 
The good you do will come back to you. The bad you do will be sad for you, but the good you do will come back to you. And so you, you we all start laughing, but then you think this was the most powerful man on planet Earth at the time in 74. And he was in his own sad way, looking inwards to what had cost him the most in life. It was almost Shakespearean. And so for all of us, look around and, and go internal. Don't look for the answers outside. You know, like I always tell the kids, don't overstand people, understand people. And the kid goes, yeah, but Mr. Mike, don't you think we need inner standing too? <laughs> and there's the key, right? You look inside. Like, what am I doing wrong that I need to readjust? Some people are their own punishment, right? Mm. And if balance and a kind person and a good person, strong moral turpitude, I, I truly do believe this, that you're never being punished. You're being protected in another way. I think you, Michael, the first time I saw you was in a high school auditorium at my dad's high school. I was a kid. I've told yeah. you this story. I like went home yeah. and like wrecked one of his tapes trying to replicate your act um, with a little tape recorder. I think of you in front of crowds, um, uh, motivating people at a youth center, um, at a community center, um, on stage. What's it like for you being disconnected from that? Um, and, and I should ask you, you know, I mean, are, are you mostly holed up right now? I, I, I can't oh, imagine I, you caged like that. And I'm wondering how you're dealing with it. Just what I'm doing with you right now is what I'm doing. We just raised a half a million dollars in a couple of months off Zoom speeches. Hallett Creek Ranch, we raised 205000 St. Vincent DePaul Society, 225000 uh, United Cerebral Palsy of the North Bay, 60,000. Um, Sausalito Women's and Rotary, 20,000, 50,000 for a recovery group called Wednesday's Gift. And, you know, you just perform and you just talk to people and you let them know that, you know, look, we're in the same boat here and the storm is raging. So if you see those who are wanting to self-isolate, row towards them, put them in the, the boat, and we're all going to safe harbors. And uh, right now, I mean, it can't get better for us in, if, if you're talking about optimism, because three, not one, but two and three of the vaccines are 95% effective. If that isn't a miracle, I don't know what is. I mean, I always tell kids, never quit one minute before the miracle happens in baseball, <laughs> basketball, football. Don't quit before, don't quit, don't, don't join in, you know, saying there's a movie out now called The Dreamer about a young football player who went on to the pros with Indianapolis out of Arkansas. I played for the Razorbacks. And uh, it, it's a beautiful film on Netflix about being a believer. And, and if you believe in yourself, you can accomplish the goals you want. And, and every one of the, the coaches, every one of the kids, all of his teammates made fun of him, teased him, tormented him, called him names, teased him for being heavy. You know, I had that issue. I, I actually, I have a bumper sticker on my truck. It says, bulk up, big people are harder to kidnap. <laughs> <laughs> See, you guys are talking about this. I'm, I'm right now, you can't see it because my hands aren't on Zoom. I'm needle pointing 
never quit one minute before the miracle happens on a pillow. And I'm just going to put that on my bed. That's already yeah. like my takeaway quote from this. That's great. The, uh, you know, I have to tell you, sometimes when, when you're into getting kids, most kids uh, suffer from self-defeatism. And one of my best lines was one of the kids, I go, do you really, don't you think you're a little too hard on yourself? And he goes, well, I am, but I try not to take it personally. But I mean, you know, laughter is, is just so prevalent in things. Okay, here's something, Kevin. They have refused to let, now listen to this, guys. They have refused to let Elmer Fudd have a shotgun now on cartoons. Yeah, it's wrong. Say, no, I haven't heard that. Yeah, and I started laughing. I go, all I wanted to do was pick up the phone and call my buddy Robin Williams and go, please, we wish me what me go. Oh, I don't love you anymore. Why did they take my shotgun, Robin? Robin! So, you know... <laughs> There's a really nice movie that I did with his uh, wife, uh, Susan Williams, uh, called uh, Robin's Wish. And it's about the last month of his life. And the struggle in Robin's Wish was that we would all have courage and wisdom to fight for ourselves and who we wanted to be. One of the kids I had in junior high was so powerful. He goes, I said, how do you get through junior high? You guys are vicious. You're vicious. He goes, you got to be like a crab. I said, you mean grumpy? No. Crabs always move sideways, never forward or back. That way they always fit in. You got to pinch. They pinch. You have to be able to pinch back and defend yourself. You have to have a hard outer shell because some of these kids are wicked vicious. But like a crab, you should have a soft side because you could make a friend for life. Huh. And what we're looking for is those relationships, friendships sportsmanship, scholarship, those companionship, those ships that we really actually sail on, and especially in stormy seas like right now. Yeah, and I dig around, I mean, I got the I got the history behind me and, and I read around and it seems like whenever things have been darkest in San Francisco, I mean, in the world too, but in San Francisco, when things have looked the worst, people have come out of it and fought and there's a phoenix on our flag and i think that represents what's happened in san francisco so i just hope and i'm trying to write stories that impress this i just hope that people hold on and then just come out and consider um helping their neighbor helping small businesses consider those types of things a civic act i, I just hope that happens i know that it will because i wear this medal of St. Francis. And I worked in the city for the city as a probation officer and, and uh, as a counselor at Juvenile Hall. And uh, sometimes we don't know where the, the most powerful leaders come from. But in a book about St. Francis, he was walking up the road with his best friend, Matteo. And Matteo goes, how come you, Francis? Why everybody listens to you? You used to be a drunk. You were a playboy. You don't know any Latin. You're not a great scholar. But everybody, when you speak, they feel the presence of your spirit. And they, they focus on you like I've never seen. And 
St. Francis looks at Mateo, his good buddy, who's a Franciscan monk. He goes, ah, Mateo, God looks down from heaven. He finds the most unlikely, the most folly-laden, the most unworthy individuals and fills them up with light so the truly religious and self-righteous can go. Truly, this must be the work of God. <laughs> so we will see people totally unexpected rise up to give speeches like they do when I'm with the kids. The kids give magnificent speeches. They, they talk to their classmates with empathic nobility and love. And they share with them, you know, wisdom beyond our comprehension. Uh, in Pismo Beach at a high school, the kid goes, you call me the school loser, the school shooter, the school loner, but you don't know me. I have Asperger high-functioning autism. And I come to school, I can't stand loud noises. So I self-isolate in the library. I self-isolate in the cafeteria. But if you did get to know me and you did get to make a friend of me and you, you did get to understand me, it would be very helpful to you because many of you need to know that someday you might have a kid like me. And then what will you do? Mm. And the whole crowd went, whoa. Keanu Reeves shot. They go, whoa, dude, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Because when when we have that, you know, when we let people rise up, when we rise them up to give their speeches, some of them become some guys who write for the San Francisco Chronicle go on to to become a Knight uh, Foundation scholar and teach at Stanford. Who could ever imagine? (laughs) Yeah, who would have thought? Totally out of breath. Yeah. Kids, though, these kids that you're always talking about, I got a feeling I, I, I see a lot of hope in them. And you always see hope in them. Uh, did, did you, yeah, it sounds like you still have hope in the youth of tomorrow. You know, I youth of today for tomorrow. This is the wisest and most, most empathic generation we've ever had uh, incarnate on planet Earth, if you will. And I, when I speak to them, they make me, they, they make me emotional. They're so wise almost uh, like magi. Uh, and, and when they arrive, it's not just that I think they come from the stars. They've come from the wisdom of the stars. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking to them, you're like, look, I look around, I go, you know, did that kid just say that? Picture this. I'm talking to a mom. She's on her dang phone the whole time. The little boy is five. He's got a baby brother, uh, Patrick, and, he's, and, and mom is there texting on the phone and the little boy is five. He's five. He goes, mom's probably 28, 29. He goes, mom, 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 mom. She's not, she's like, he goes, mom. She goes, Kevin, what do you want? What do you want? He says, mom, you spend more time staring into the phone screen than you do baby Patrick's eyes. She burst into tears and put the phone away. When a five-year-old is raising his mom empathically, you have now understood what I see coming our way. We'll be right back after this short break. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I know we're in the home stretch and I'm just, I'm tired. And, and the only thing like keeping me from being more tired is knowing like your son, these grocery store workers, these, um, you know, muni workers who are cleaning the bus every night that they have it worse than me. That's, that's it. I, I mean, this is, this is exhausting, but I feel like we're in the home stretch. Well, you know, here's the thing. And, 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 and I, Peter, I say this with all sincerity. Um, I had five uncles and my pop went to World War II. Uh, Stephen Ambrose said, when, when it came to World War II, we sent our best, they did their best, and the world was saved from evil. And I think of these men doing completely unexpected things and arriving in Berlin and Adolf Hitler breathing the last of his evil breath as it all collapsed around him from the sadness and sickness of his narcissism. And what happens is when we realize that these women and men that went into World War II, uh, as as our good uh, leader, uh, Ike Eisenhower said, when he saw the concentration camps, I have no idea whether my young men arriving at Normandy knew exactly what they were fighting for. But when they see these concentration camps, I promise you, we know what they were fighting against, the evil that they were fighting against. And that is for us, because this is a scientific virus. This is the first time the earth has been called upon to have an earth mirth rebirth. And that is to, to figure out, look, if we don't buoy up and buck up and, and battle, not just the virus, but the isolation, the anxiety, the anti-compassion, the attacks on uh, the xenophobic attacks and the stupidity of looking for blame. I always love that termed by one of the kids who said he was dyslexic. You know, Mr. Pritchard, blame is me at the end with blah, blah, blah in front. So what I think is, and I'm thinking about this a lot, you know, if we're shaming people and blaming people, if we have to have a villain in context for a virus, it says something more about us than the virus and the science that has to battle it. And so if we're blaming everybody for not doing their job, we're not doing our job, which is leadership. Leaders are readers. Readers are leaders. And science, it will take us. And, and, and as a good Catholic boy, I will tell you the first thing I learned in the seminary, science is God. And God is science. If there's a cure, it's there. Now, that's not me being religious. Because religion is sometimes for people afraid of going to hell and spirituality is for people who have already been there. If you've ever been watching people suffer from battle wounds, you'd understand 
that war, uh, when defined by the uh, ba- the uh, Bahu'llah, the Baha'i faith, he said war is when the losing general and the winning private are buried in the same ditch on the side of a road, and the line is moved an inch to the left or an inch to the right on the map. Yeah. What we need to do is look inside for the answers. It isn't about boundaries and flags. It isn't about the xenophobic uh, barbed wire or things, you know, we can build to, to prevent people from coming to us. It's more, what can we do to save humanity anywhere and everywhere? And that's why I was so proud of my son, Brian. He learned to speak Spanish when he was in Ometepe in Nicaragua for three summers doing everything he could for a poor village down there. And if we send our kids and we export compassion as opposed to fear, I think we'll, we'll triumph. And that's where we're headed. And they bring it back too. When they, when they, Oh yeah. Oh, he went right to work in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I don't know if I told you this, but my favorite moment, and I'll fill you up, Peter, Brian is walking to work at Brooklyn Hospital Center. If I tell this, I might get weepy. I don't know if I told this last year, but he's walking and he hears a coronet playing Alleluia. And there's a bunch of Broadway performers off uh, work and they're singing it as he walks to work. And they're thanking the doctors and the nurses getting off the subway to come to work for another hard day of COVID-19. Many of them have had it. Many of them have lost friends to it. And as they keep walking, when they get closer, Brian said, uh, great big, it was a Caribbean neighborhood, great big Jamaican guy pulled his mask down. And he goes, Dr. Big Red, because Brian has red hair. He goes, you saved my life a couple of years ago. I want my baby boy to put his hand on your heart. And so this guy puts his baby's hand on Brian's heart. And he said, it was my proudest day of being an American, proudest day of being a doctor, proudest day of being a New Yorker. And that's who we are. That's who we will always be. And it shouldn't take 9-11 or a bridge collapse, a tornado, a flood, a hurricane to teach us. Community unity, compassion, connection to the greater good, and respecting our firefighters who have, in California, done way more than a yeoman's job. When it comes to thanking people, our firefighters and first responders this year, where did we find them? Where did they come from? And how are we so blessed to have them with such courage? They sell select. All right, tell me this, honey man. How come there's not a whole bunch of virus jokes? Well, I, I will tell you that one of the funniest things when I was working in in the the world of of medicine and helping people, when my little boy uh, Connor was sick up at Children's Hospital here, and this young doctor walked in, and I was weepy, and my wife was so strong, and he goes, he had croup, and it developed into pneumonia. We almost lost him, and that's when I realized how much I loved Robin Williams. He showed up to take me out to go do shows because that was my prayer. If I could make people laugh, things could get better. And so he and I went out to a comedy club. 
But when this doctor walked up, not because he was a mean-spirited rude, he was a young, dumb kid who happened to be a doctor. He goes, do you and your husband feel guilty about the baby getting pneumonia? And my wife goes, she's from Chicago. She goes, you know, Doc, we talked it over. We thought, well, maybe it was that night we left him out in the cold, pouring rain. <laughs> he was pounding on the door with that teeny fist. And we said, no, stay outside until you contract pneumonia. Well... <laughs> If you can laugh, that's that gallows humor that works effectively with everybody. All of us in medicine see it. All of us, uh, we talk to each other and you make jokes in order to survive. And it's not just enough to be a survivor. You got to be a prevailer and an overcomer because this stuff is taking people. But more important than in taking people, they're dying alone. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, it would be incumbent on our leadership to provide them with spiritual comfort, laughter comfort. These are the anti-virus uh, medicines that we need to come from the emotions. Strength, courage, compassion, laughter, joy, fun, uh, connectivity, massage therapy, helping people as best you can who are not sick with the thing. But human contact. I know the more I, I take care of my little grandson, you know, you build up that immune system. That's what it's about. So the laughter is absolutely what it's about. And I think, uh, I think, I think comedy is going to, I think comedy is going to come back stronger than ever. And everybody said, I remember after nine 11, like a couple people wrote comedy's dead. Irony's yeah. dead. It's never coming back. And I'm like, I, I look at that lesson and realize that I think coming out of this, like I would put my money in a comedy club. Everybody's writing off movie theaters. And I think people are going to want to be around each other more than ever. And maybe not next month, maybe not in July, maybe not the week after all the vaccines are distributed, but I'm taking, I, I'm buying stock in San Francisco and the Bay Area and people wanting to be around each other because I think they're going to miss it. I think they're going to want to laugh. And I think people are going to be proud of, of what we did. And it doesn't look like it now, but I think historically we'll look back and realize that, that people in the Bay Area looked out for each other. And exactly. And yeah. you can see it in our statistics. We're, we're, we know we're in a battle and we're using science to battle it. The other thing is uh, at the Alameda Comedy Club that Patrick Ford is running, we, uh, we're trying to get connected to the fact that what we, what we all want and need is that human interaction of laughing together. I remember so many times when I looked over in the middle of my kids with all of their buddies and all the kids from St. Vincent's Orphanage watching Home Alone for the first time and the light came up in the theater and I saw 20 little kids howling, laughing, leaning back and forth in the light. And I went, all is right with the world. Mm. All is right with the world. If you can still laugh and you can laugh uh, together as a group and you can hear that laughter, I think there's no, there's no doubt about it. You know, I had a hundred year old Marine I'm in the Golden Gate Breakfast Club. I had a 100-year-old Marine at the Marines Memorial. I said, Tommy Malloy, what's your best part of turning 100? And he went, the absolute lack of peer pressure. So, <laughs> that, 
that's what keeps you alive to that age. And so for me, you know, all these virus uh, things that are coming is all we've got to do is talk to the, to the doctors. And uh, we remind everybody that, that, that loneliness is short term. It really is because these vaccines are coming and it's a good time for us to realize that hope and enlightened reinforcements in the form of brilliant, young, emotionally intelligent kids is arriving and they will help us create an earth mirth rebirth, I believe. And then we'll have time to take care of the planet and help the planet heal in the same way, emotionally and spiritually and physically. When all these folks in religion start to get a clue that maybe we should unify as, as opposed to blame and battle and pull down the barbed wire, the emotional barbed wire that cuts people off from that, we'll be okay. We'll be way past okay. We'll find those things that are going to nurture and comfort us in harder times. If you look back at the Depression, that left an, a, an after effect for generations. Well, that generation lived through it. They were always afraid of running out, always afraid of being hungry. Uh, even those who weren't so so badly affected by poverty during the Depression. What's the after effect going to be on this thing? And 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 how do you how do you how do you laugh about that three years from now when someone's well, still afraid of being about, around other people? It's, it's about leadership, Kevin, and leadership can chuckle to itself. I I look I look at Joe Biden. He made me burst out laughing because he, he has the same affect that I do. When something is said that you just, it, you want to go, blows your mind. You just sit there. At our, I'm in my 70s as well. And I just go, oh, <laughs> where do I start here? And the key is leadership is providing that uh I always tell kids, readers are leaders and leaders are readers. So if we get kids back into literature that's funny, I mean, there's nothing funnier than uh, than Charles Dickens writing uh, about the poverty in the world in 1840s London. And it was worse than in our depression, truly worse, the hunger levels. And, you know, my daughter and I were talking about a, an Irish uh Irish moss is very helpful in healing. We're going to start going to naturopathic medicines. It's called uh, carrageen. And it's, it's so good for the Irish because it's from the moss of Ireland. And it was good for antivirus. The more we start looking to naturopathic medicines, the more joy we find in nature, the more we understand that there are things in nature that can heal us and that it's, it's something we need to adjust our thinking to, to open up our, our wise centers to, to let medicines uh, of different uh, naturopathic origins take place. And if you read up about Irish moss and its impact on the virus and, and the hunger in Ireland during the Great Starvation, it's pretty amazing that they, they fed off it and got well off the soups and the stews from it. God, I thought it was just Jameson's. 
<laughs> well, that, well, of course, then that had for crying out loud. Didn't, didn't. <laughs> All right, I got one more question, and it's a non pandemic question, but I got to ask I forgot to ask you last time. This is a bad segue, non sequitur. It's okay. What, what was it like to open for the Grateful Dead? <laughs> I've read that in your bio for years, and I've always wanted to ask, what was that like? What was the audience like? How did that happen? They, the, I was Bobby. Bobby Corona opened up the stone, and, and it was actually very sweet and funny. Jerry Garcia is a sweet and kind and good man, and uh, he was he, – he struggled as, you know – we all hold a prayer for this young man here recently by the name of uh, Shay, Tony Shay, who passed away. He's a billionaire. And the struggles with uh, addictions, the struggles with hardships of being an artist and being vulnerable uh, as a person who was a person helping children with that. I saw the little kid in Jerry. I saw him. And I saw that in a lot of the guys from the dead. You can say that the crowd was so kind and sweet. They were studying me as they would a butterfly. And uh, <laughs> that had just transmorphed from a caterpillar. And I was beginning to fly in front of the Grateful Dead. And I was like happy. And they were like, they were like, wow, yeah. So you're you're just trying to enlighten them. But for me, the Coronas were so great because there was this moment where Jerry had gotten sick. And I said, is he OK? And they said, well, he just had some mushrooms. And I was such a rube. I went on a pizza. <laughs> from Ruben, from Nebraska. Where are you from? You don't know what psilocybin is. I go, I so I start laughing afterwards. And I realized that. So much of the 60s and even if you read uh, the book uh, Altamont by Selvin, you start to realize that there's, even in all the sensitivity of the musicians, there's an arc of self-destructiveness that we've got to help them work on because they are geniuses and geniuses, they always need our compassion and nurture and respect and and inclusion because they tend to self-isolate as did robin towards the end of his life and so finding a way to reach out to them and to let them know you love them for their artistry their vulnerability and the kindness that they show others that they sometimes forget to show themselves it's important and that's what i wanted to i always said that to jerry jerry we love you everybody loves you know it I love that you brought that back to something life affirming and positive. That that's why we did this. That's uh, why Kevin and I invited you on. And uh, thank you so much for. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling like I I can get all the way through 2020 just with this blast of Michael Pritchard. Ah, thank you, Peter. I love you, my brother. You're a good man. Keep oh, my, you're, you always pick me up, man. Always pick me up. Love it. Well, thank you for all, for Kevin. Thank you for all the years uh, of helping all of us do the stuff with Doug Ferrari. And thanks for the article on Brian and Peter. You're a good man and they're blessed to have you. 
And there's a, a movie I'd like for both of you. You see Patty Hearst uh, produced. It's called uh, Pottersville. It's very sweet. It's, uh, it's, it's a sweet movie about Sasquatch. All right. <laughs> I'm in. I'm already in. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm there. <laughs> Michael Taylor gets drunk and, and pretends to be Sasquatch to bring life to the village. And it does bring hope back. And so it's a good Christmas movie. And, and it's really wonderful. Oh, that's nice. lovely. I'm going to remember yeah. that. I love it. Yeah. And, and, and there's some really fun actors in there that you'll recognize right away. It's so well cast and hilarious. The takes alone, you'll be, uh, you'll be reversing to watch them. So thank you guys very much. And, and believe this if you believe nothing else. There comes a time in all of our lives when we have to choose to believe in that light and that it never can be conquered by darkness and that light has to be within us first before we extend it. It's not enough to light a candle. It's got to have that candle inside us that lights and chooses to light it. I love you guys. Take care of yourself. May God bless you. Thank you, Michael. Love you too, Michael. Take care, guys. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Yeah. Hello, everybody. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Kevin Fagan and our guest, Michael Pritchard. Total SF is a production of The Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital Chronicle edition at sfchronicle.com pod.